0: We're in first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 30, right? Uh we're near the end of the message and I'm just now turning my recorder on. So uh as people might check this out, um uh, you'll know that um or if you tell anybody that I missed half of this at least. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to go back and do all this together. Anyway, uh, I had it on, but I didn't have it on. Anyway, verse 30, chapter 7. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world is not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of this world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction whatever situation you're in. We've already seen if you're single, it's good if you can stay single because of all the pressure. If you're married, then you've got to stay married in that relationship. Here's what he's saying. Um, Marriage has no relationship to eternity. We have this marriage in this world And there's not going to be marriage to that person that you're married to in this life. And I know I've heard people say, oh, I can't believe that that's that's going to be it. Well, it's not that you're not going to know that person again. But the thing is, we're going to be married to Christ. It's going to be without sin. It's going to be in a perfect way that's going to be much better than we can ever even imagine here. This is just the starting, the beginning ground. This is the foundation here. But we have something much better awaiting. Even better. You go, wow, I can't wait to hear that. He's saying, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. While you're here on earth, it's short. This season is passing on. You're in a season right now. It's like that. Go to James 4, verse 4. This world is flying by. Not here very long. James 4, 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It's here, it's gone. A vapor. It's gone. That is what our life is here. To turn to 1 Peter one twenty four. One twenty four. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. Uh, we're experiencing that now in fall, aren't we? Remember those flowers you had out? Remember all that green grass that you had to mow twice a week <laughs> back uh, a few months ago? Grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We are here for a short little time in the life that we know it. Not that it ends, it just keeps getting better. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, and do this, knowing the time, now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Right now, it's short. The day is at hand, it's right there. We saw in James there that it's like a vapor. Marriage is as brief as life is brief. This married life we have now is temporary. And say, well, what do you mean? I I don't understand that. Matthew twenty-two, verse thirty. Jesus is being asked uh, certain questions, and this is one of them. Talking about the resurrection and and what's going to happen there. Who's going to be married to who? You know, if you've been married more than one time, then which, which wife are you going to have? Uh, Jesus answered and said, uh, doesn't want them to be mistaken. Don't you know the Scriptures He's saying? Verse 30, For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. No longer is there to be marriage. We're married to Christ. It'll even be better. We're getting a a little bit of an idea of what it's going to be like. Multiplied. uh, Huge. The time is short, Shorter than any of us really know. And it's going to be gone. So that's why He says the weeping will cease because God's going to wipe away all the tears. As He says here in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. He's talking about there's not going to be any marriage anymore. And weeping... And uh, emotions, weeping, They did not, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, it's not that earthly joy. It's going to be something much better than the temporal kind of joy. We're going to fade into eternal joy. You know, sometimes our joy here just kind of goes in and out. Earthly joy comes and goes. How about buying and selling and all of that, where he, he talks about those who buy as though they did not possess, they will already inherit everything that Christ has. You won't have to go out and shop anymore. I'm not into shopping. But I know there are many people here that love to shop, and that's okay. But uh, there's going to be something much better. We won't need to buy anything anymore. You won't have to use paper money and plastic cards and all that. Paul's saying... Marriage, the weeping, the earthly, rejoicing, buying, the world of pleasure, all that. That's just a passing scene. That thing is going to be gone. And in verse 31, he talks about the scheme. And those who use this world is not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. The schemata. You ever heard of that? The scheme? or That's what he's talking about there. There is The plan, the form, the fashion of this world is passing away. It's just going to fade away. And we're going to go right in from the temporal world that's going to fade away. It's all just going to burn up. We're going into an eternal, everlasting presence with God and all His people. Isn't that a good thing to think? Don't value human relations and human emotions and human possessions and human pleasures above the true worth of what it's about. Value your relationships and all those. But Keep looking ahead to where it's really heading. Um, there can be distractions. Can sorrow be a distraction? Yeah. Can pleasure be a distraction from uh, being in the pleasure uh, uh, with, with the Lord? Worldly pleasures. Anything. Emotions can distract us from the things of God. Marriage becomes better, actually, when we're both concentrating. When you have this triangle, I love to use a triangle, which I have like that there. If God is right at the top, that's Christ up there, and we're on the bottom rung, if we're both seeking Christ, how much closer are we getting to, as we get to Christ, to the other person? Closer and closer and closer, right? A beautiful thing. Uh, And that's because we have a priority of eternal things more than temporal things. It makes us concentrate and devote ourselves. Preoccupations. Verse 32 through 35 is dealing with the preoccupations that marriage has. And you have to have these. Concern about the earthly needs. We need food. We need shelter. We need heat. We need to be cooled. We've we got to make sure that we, you know, we, we have a job, that we have uh, money coming in because of the other person, that th- their needs be met. So there's a constant aspect of that and just general needs of clothes. And so he says in verse 32, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried, and uh, the word there as we have looked in 1 Corinthians most of the time that word unmarried is not one who is a virgin or a single person who's never been married. It's one who has been married. And it's not a widow because he uses the word for widow. So who is the one who's unmarried here in verse 32? It's the one who has been married and is not now because there has been a split, a separation, a divorce... And he also uses the word virgin in verse 34. There is a difference between a wife, that's one who's married now, and a virgin. The virgin is the one who has never been married. The unmarried is the one who has been married and divorced. That's interesting, as you see different Greek words, and and so he's applying this to this. Singles have fewer hindrances. And if you're one who has been divorced, he says in verse 32, you care for the things of the Lord, how you may please the Lord. You don't have another person to really have to care about in the sense of their daily needs and things that uh, you would be concerned there. Um, And he's saying, hey, if you're single, stay that way. You minimize the necessity there of the preoccupation. So the wonderful gift of singleness allows for undivided service to our Lord and Savior. Um, The emphasis here, I think, is shifting from human problems and pressures to a spiritual dimension. The gift of singleness, it's a great blessing. The gift of marriage, it's a great blessing. The Lord will answer uh, your faithful prayers, and He brings the time that we have, uh, and and He brings us endurance to go through the, uh, the things that we have to. So rejoice in that, and spend your attention on those purposes. I think it goes for married people and people who are not married. Put your single focus on Christ. As you put it on Him, then you'll have more of a true love and a care for that other person. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all those things will be added to you. If you're seeking Christ and to please Him, you don't have to necessarily try to please that other person. Please Christ and those things will work out. Especially if you have two Christians. They're both seeking the Lord. You cannot lose. Still, might have disagreements, but we're trying. We're trying to get there and see what the Lord has. Right? It's a great benefit either way. Then we get into a section. I don't. Know, I'm not going to spend much time on it. We're nearing the end here. 36 through 38. It's dealing with the promises of fathers. This not really applied really too much to our culture today, but. Uh, I'll read this. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, this is dealing with a father who has a daughter. She's a virgin. Okay. But if any man thinks he's behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, she is now of age to marry, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry him. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her marriage in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. You read that first and say, what, is this a married person who has a virgin? I don't, I don't get it. No, it's, it's a father, like I said before, who has a daughter... And he has made an oath, uh, a pledge that he would keep her as a virgin and would, so that she can serve the Lord. and um, Because they can have devotion for Christ. In and, and even more of a single-focused way. Singles have fewer hindrances, right? Um, so he's saying it's good to stay that way. But what if she doesn't want to go along with that? Well, he can change his oath and say, then, okay, it's okay if she doesn't have that gift of singleness. Then it's good for her to go ahead and get married. Then Paul is staying consistent all along through here, and so that father can do that. Um, so that their role there back at that time was arrangements of marriages, and I don't think that that's uh, too foreign to us. We've heard about those things. I imagine a lot of people here are glad that uh, things weren't arranged beforehand and we didn't have any choice to say in it. But, Um, the father can change his mind. Uh, The daughter's unwillingness to keep that vow, the father doesn't necessarily have to. 39 and 40, um, he sums it up here. And this shows the permanency of marriage. And so if you're single, then he says, here's what's going to happen. You are bound to that other person. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is according to my judgment and I think also have the Spirit of God. The duration is this. Life. Marriage is meant... For life, It's to be permanent. That's the point. You're bound as long as your partner lives. If they're, if you're, once you're married, that is until death. That's what Paul brings forth. A single person has liberty, but as soon as they marry, then really that uh, liberty only ends when the, the other one dies. Or we've seen other situations. We've talked about that um, in, in other places, and I don't have time. Um, but a, a general consensus here, and we know there's a lot of wisdom used in that, so, you know, like we say, we move on. But he's saying, hey, it's better not to get married than to marry and to be stuck for life with the wrong person. Once you're stuck with that wrong person, what does Paul say? Stay in it. But if it can't be worked out and they want to leave, well, then he says, then okay, that's a leave. But if you have to get the singleness, there should be a measure of contentment that a single person has. There's no reason to engage in a lifelong tie that can only be severed by death. So stay that way. You have all sorts of pressures, all the trouble, all the divided interests that you have all along. So the, t- the duration is for life. The termination is death, as he generalizes this. They're bound for the rest of their lives. And then the exurgitation is this. Stay. Stay wherever you're at. If you have been married and you're, let's say, a widow, he says, stay that way. Uh, but if you can't, okay. But he's saying, stay that way if you can. It's, it's, uh, remarriage here is not the idea. It may not be the best for everyone, though uh, Widow, widow might be happier to remain single. I sum this up in saying, in a very short time, we will no longer be husbands, Wives or slaves, or masters, uh, single people, uh, in that sense. uh, We will give our children back to the Lord, our wives, or husbands, and we have stewardship here. Uh, We should live in expectation of what eternity has. Hold on loosely to what you have. Have it established. It's a good thing. Remember, this world is going to be over someday. There is another world that we just phase right into. So Paul's saying, in all your questioning, in all your concern, and all your worry, even for happiness and fulfillment, don't forget this one element. In a moment, death or Christ coming back, a new life. Physically, we already have that new life that's going on now, but a new life will begin—a whole different life than this world that we know. It. It's going to last forever. We are the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. And we have a true and eternal marriage that is perfect. And we get to sample that now. And what a privilege that is. And so my thought here is think about that, act accordingly to it, and realize that our single devotion should be upon Christ And the Lord will bless that in what situation we're in. Let's pray.